What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Logos Podcast. I'm Max. Honestly, Joe, have you ever asked Max why he always gets to start? I was, I was just <laughs> thinking the same. This thing. is uh, he doesn't even just... like consult us beforehand. He just is like, "All right, you guys ready? All right, here we go." And and then you start. It's like I'm like he, okay. thinks, he, he thinks he's better. Can than I us. start? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Max. All right. Um, welcome to Logos Podcast. I'm Max. I'm Sam. I'm I'm Joey. And on today's episode, we got the heat coming in. We're talking about the theological virtues. Theological virtues. They're, they're my favorite virtues, actually. They're exciting. Very big stuff. Very big mm. stuff. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. How's so, your day going, guys? What's well, up? It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty good. My, day, my day's going great. Thank you for asking. Yeah, so get this, bro. I mean, this is... I know you're not here at, at uh, with us, and like it's. I just got to tell you this story because it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, background. <laughs> Sam and I are in the same spot right now. Max is in a different spot. Yeah, so is there... Yeah, so we're pretty techie, as, as you probably already picked <laughs> up. But no, so I'm I'm chilling. I'm driving up to the retreat center, and I'm chilling, listening to music, whatever. And I'm pulling up, and I'm like, well, someone's in my parking spot, you know. And I pull up, and it, oh, it's Joey. You know, Joey's chilling in the in the handicap parking spot. <laughs> you worse, and he, dude. And here I am, a handicap man, thinking, oh, I, I oh guess I'll just goodness. I'll just park in the non-handicap while Joey <laughs> with two very nice legs. <laughs> Parks in the <laughs> handicap spot. Like, what That's is the best way on? you could put that, dude. You just called his legs very nice, dude. Well, not like that, but like, <laughs> come on. Like, your legs work fine. And here I am. You know, oh first gosh. of all, I don't even use the handicap spots ever because I'm perfectly normal. Like, I know I have a fake leg, but I, it works fine. Yeah. But then I come and Joey is in the parking spot. I'm like, no way. Man. I, would, I would just like to defend myself publicly. We are. At a retreat center that is currently shut down, nobody is here. The parking lot was empty, so I parked in the closest spot, which just happened to be handicapped. And as Sam said, even though he doesn't have a leg, he's not really handicapped. I mean, Whoa, the, the dude. dude. <laughs> Whoa, the dude, dude. can move Joey? just fine. <laughs> Joey. Okay. I mean, Christ tells handicap. us to love the lesser. Okay, and <laughs> I need you to. I need you to calm down. He is. All right. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. Look. I'm. Do. You, should I go move the, my car? No. 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 The worst type of person. Pause so I can go move my car. Now I feel bad because he'd actually go move his car. So the, <laughs> 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 oh my gosh. Yes. Oh, all right. Whatever. Well, that was that was fun. That was a good time. Should we? Uh, should we talk about the theological virtues now? Sure. I suppose. Um. Cool. Let's do that. Yeah. So the uh, the theological virtues. First of all. I think we should just say why should we ca- why should anyone care about the theological virtues well these are really like at the very heart of the christian life so if you're trying to be a good christian if you're trying to grow in holiness if you're trying to love our lord more um you kind of need to know what these things are about and uh they're very big they're 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 central yeah. to the christian life so um just a just a brief recap of what virtues are in general. We did an episode on this on virtues and talked about a lot about the cardinal virtues, but um, we said that virtues are like skills, right? Or habits that we acquire and they allow us to live the human life excellently, right? They're kind of excellences of character. Um, so we talked about the four cardinal virtues, prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance in the last and one of our previous episodes. And what we said about these is that we acquire them through practice through repeated action right Right. so the more and more we do these good actions the more the easier and easier for the easier and easier it becomes for us to do them 
well promptly easily and with joy and then eventually yep. after you know a life a lifetime of practice we become hopefully virtuous people um yeah. we become just people we become prudent people we become temperate people we become courageous people so so those are the those are the cardinal virtues should we read the definition that the catechism gives for the theological virtues to kind of set up a contrast between the two. Yeah, I think it's good because they're they're fundamentally different in yes, nature, right? Yes, they are. They're different. Uh, so right. I, we'll start off with the definition. Max, why don't you go ahead and read it for us? Okay, so the theological uh, virtue definition is coming from um, paragraph 1812 in the catechism. Um, it reads thus, Theological virtues adapt man's faculties for participation in the divine nature. Four, the theological virtues relate directly to God. They dispose Christians to live in a relationship with the Holy Trinity. They have the one and triune God for their origin, motive, and object. They are infused by God into the souls of the faithful to make them capable of acting as his children and of meriting eternal life. So if you notice in the definition, when we were talking about, we had previously talked about the uh, cardinal virtues or natural virtues, um, they are they can they can be naturally merited right they can be practiced it can be humanly acquired yeah whereas theological virtues um as explained in the definition are infused by god so they're a direct action from in the very word theological it's theos comes from the word god right so they're an activity of god upon man um so okay so basically what you're saying is that i as a man can make myself better at the cardinal virtues, right? I can I can make myself repeatedly act in a certain way that's good right. and virtuous, whereas the theological virtues, I can't do anything to to acquire those. They're they're basically gifts from God. That's what we're saying, right? Yeah, they're, they're gifts infused. From God. They're infused by God and for the sake of God. Yeah, they supersede our natural capacities, right? So God gives us, when he creates us, he gives us kind of these natural capacities to develop skills and human excellences like these virtues on our own, right. in a way, by practice, right? And But with the theological virtues, there's nothing that we can do in and of ourselves to acquire them. He has to give them to us right. as a gift. And uh, I guess we should say there the three, there's three theological virtues. They are faith, hope, and charity, right? These are the three big ones. And they, like I said, they're really at the center of the entire Christian life. And the practice and the exercise of these virtues, um, which, come, which come to us as a result of God's grace, is at the center of what it means to be a Christian. Um, right. So they're a big deal. They're a big deal. And I think, Max, you were talking about like the kind of the etymology of the word theological, like what? Yeah, uh, yeah. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so theos, right? Uh, theos means God um, in Greek. So uh, the word theological virtues comes from that root. So when you hear the word theological virtues, or you hear the word theology, right, it all comes from that root. Um, it's a study of God um, as as divinely acquired and revealed. So, um, yeah, that's where that, that comes into play. Yeah, and so for the... So we call these virtues theological faith, hope, and love. They're theological virtues a, because they come from God, right? The definition says that they have God as their origin, but right. they're also, they also have God as their object, right? It's by these virtues that we actually kind of touch God in this life. It's, it's mm -hmm. by these virtues that we are actually able to engage, engage with him. And it says they adapt man's faculties for participation in the divine nature, which yep. without the influx of God's grace into our souls would be absolutely impossible for us. We wouldn't be able to commune with God unless he first 
proportioned our faculties, healed our faculties, and then elevated us so that we were able to enter into a relationship with him. You know, and when we talk about the virtues in general, right, we're talking about achieving happiness. That's a whole modus operandi. That's a reason we do we wait, wait, practice wait. virtues. What? Right. Modus operandi. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> the mode of operation. It's the reason why we do it. And it's the way in which we do it, right? Yeah. As this motivating factor, it's to be happy. So, but when we talk about happiness, there's two different levels. We talk about natural happiness and supernatural happiness, right? Yeah, yeah, very good. So, whereas whereas a natural virtue is achieved this natural level of happiness, as in the word, um, as acquired by practice and the acquiescence of of the virtues, like theological virtues help us achieve this supernatural happiness, which is mm-hmm. ultimately found in a union, in an eternal union with God in both our action and our mind, or as Aquinas says, the intellect and the will, right? So par- by, by um, participating and by um, being infused by, with faith, hope, and charity, we get to enter into this eternal life now. All right, so uh, that's a, I like that. That's a, that's a good explanation. I really think that was nice. And that, like, can we dive? Yeah. Let's dive into them now. Like, let's dive into the actual... All right, so why don't we start with faith? Yeah, okay, so uh, same place in the catechism. Definition of faith is a supernatural light given to the mind by which we believe in God and believe all that he has said and revealed to us and that the Holy Church proposes for our belief because he is the truth itself. By faith, man freely commits his entire self to God. Wow. That's a pretty cool definition. What are our thoughts thoughts about this definition? What I got with it? Well, okay, so I don't want to dumb it down too much, but it, it essentially sounds like faith is believing in God and, and in Christ ultimately and what they're telling us. Like, I just, I believe who, who Christ is telling right. me he is, you know, essentially that's all it's, I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think this is a big deal because a lot of people today, maybe, you know, definitely outside of the church, but probably even within the church, when they think of faith, they think of kind of this like subjective process that we kind of go through where we kind of come to our own conclusions about what we think and what yeah. we believe. But actually what the church teaches is that the virtue of faith, the theological virtue of faith, this supernatural skill that's given to us that allows us to engage with God in a personal way, it comes to us as a complete gift yeah. from God. Right. right. Think about this. In the in scripture, in the gospels, when um, Jesus is sitting with Peter and the apostles and he asks them, who do you say that I am? And Peter says to him, you are Christ. You're the son of the living God. What right. does Jesus say? He says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jodah, for flesh flesh and blood has not revealed this Mm. to you, but my father in heaven. Right. So what he's saying is that you could not have come to this conclusion on your own. This conclusion was given to you by the grace of my father, by the grace of the Holy Spirit that has enlightened your mind to see my divinity, even though you're looking at me and only seeing a human being. Yeah. uh, That's a pretty cool point, man. I'm not going to lie. Well, I actually want to, I want to kind of punt to Max here because I remember we were talking one time and you were uh, talking about the difference between faith being super rational instead of irrational. Do you mind talking yeah, okay, about that a little so bit? When we talk about faith, we talk about it on two different levels. We talk about a rational level of faith, right? Which is, um, we can talk about like science being a form of this, this rational faith, right? Um, and then we can talk about a super rational faith, which is like the belief of God, right? So if you look at the St. Paul says, um, faith comes from what is heard, right? So like Joey, Sam, and I, and um, all of the Christians of the world, know of Jesus Christ through somebody else. We didn't ourselves experience Christ on, on, a, on a personal level in the sense that we didn't touch Christ, we didn't you know, smell him, all this kind of 
stuff, right? Like the like the uh, disciples or apostles did. We didn't meet we didn't meet him in person. A person, right? 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 We weren't living back when he was you know right. present as so a, as a human on that being level. On yeah. When we speak of Jesus Christ, we're accepting um, who he says he is um, on the basis of faith, right? Um, on the basis that it was told to us by somebody else, this is who Jesus Christ is, and so we assent to this super uh, rational um, level of faith based on the testimony of others who have lived and died um, under the name of Jesus Christ. Okay. Okay, yeah. so that's interesting. So let me see if I get what you're saying. Cool. Um, so even so, you said faith comes from what is heard, right? Right. So even even the apostles who knew Jesus Christ. Even they, like, it's not just something, they didn't just, like, make up for themselves that Jesus Christ is God. Like, it no. had to be revealed to them by another, right? right? Like, that, that's the essence, and, and that's the case of everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. It has to be revealed to us by another, and that other ultimately has its source in God himself, who, right. has, who has revealed himself to us in history, mm-hmm. right? Like, it comes from... Like in our relationship with God, and this is true in in prayer, this is true in the sacraments, this is true in the exercise of these theological virtues. Yeah. In our relationship with him, it's always God who takes the initiative. Yeah. Right? It's always he who makes the first move. What does St. John say in his first letter? He says, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he, he loved, has loved us. us. Yeah. Right? He loved us first. And so faith comes from what is heard, right? It comes from another. It's given to us as a gift, but it's not... It's not irrational. It doesn't contradict no. anything that we know through legitimate human forms of knowing, like science, right? It doesn't contradict any right. of those things. What it does is it goes beyond it. Yeah. It takes it a step further it, than we could ever And, and when discover. we talk about faith as distinguished from the other um, two theological virtues, it's, it's, it's focus on the intellect of the, be- of the human being. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so it's helping us perfect our intellect and our knowledge of God. Right. So, yeah, um, that's a good point. Yeah. So there's that. Right. So each of these virtues, each of these theological virtues perfects a different aspect of the human intellect right. as crea- or of the human soul as created by God. And the soul traditionally has these faculties of intellect and will. Right. Right. Hey, can, um, the can, intellect is the. Can I give go, you an example yeah, go crazy, of man. a saint who, who illustrated this act of and just another little side point I wanted to talk about, too. All of the theological virtues, as Joey was uh, alluding to and what he was speaking, they're all divinely revealed, right? All of them are divinely revealed throughout history. Um, they culminated yeah. ultimately perfectly in Jesus Christ, but they were revealed um, throughout history by God's activity on man. Um, but the example I wanted to give on somebody who lived out this, vir- this theological virtue of faith um, is... Um, Blessed Miguel Pro. So Blessed Miguel Pro was executed um, during the Cristero War in Mexico in the early 1900s. There was a regime of uh, the anti-Christian government that was um, growing in Mexico, largely influenced by the manifesto, communist manifesto and the Marx movement. But there was many people who died standing up for um, the faith, particularly the Catholic Church. <clears throat> and so... Um, one day this, this young man who was a seminarian got sent, uh, was exiled to Spain actually to finish his seminarian studies and came back to Mexico. And, um, he was, he was told to let go of his faith and, and, and he kept trying to help people and the communists noticed. Okay. So anyways, he one day ended up being before a firing squad, um, because they caught him, 
taking Eucharist to people and, and giving confessions in the sorts, right, which was against what the law of the state had instituted. And so here he was before the firing squad, and they asked him, do you have any last remarks? And he says, Viva Cristo Rey, or that is to say, long live Christ the King, and then they shot him to death, right? And there's a famous picture depicted of him in a crucifix form, cruciform, if you will, with a rosary in his hand, um, outstretched looking into the sky as if to say, into your hands, Lord, I commend my spirit. Now, I use that example to say, I mean, that's a true act of faith. I mean, that's a man who has, that's a grace, right? To be given that level of assent to the truths revealed to us by Jesus Christ in the Gospels. Right. Right. Yeah, he believes who Christ told him that he right. is. Right, and, and, and who others and who others told him, you know, that Jesus Christ uh, is who, who he says he is. And so, like, um, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up to, to give you an example that this this can be lived yeah. out. And we all can kind of, we can hope, as as hard as that sounds, we hope to 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 have a similar disposition. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I think that's a good place to transition into hope if you guys want to. Yeah, well. because, yeah, jeez. Um, yeah, thanks for that example. Um, yeah, that's good. Hope, yeah, I, I guess I can read the definition of hope. Um from the catechism. So hope is the second of these theological virtues of these supernatural skills that God infuses into our souls so that we're able to engage with him and relate with him. Hope is this. Hope is the theological virtue by which we desire the kingdom of heaven and eternal life as our happiness, placing our trust in Christ's promises and relying not on our own strength, but on the help of the grace of the Holy Spirit. So hope is this obviously in the story Max just told about Blessed Miguel Pro, hope is obviously also at work there. Hope right. is, hope is yeah. the virtue, whereas faith perfects our intellect, right, and allows us to know God and to believe what he reveals to us. Hope is a perfection of our wills, in a sense, because yeah. it has to do with the good that we hope to attain, the good that we are tending towards, that we desire, right? Correct. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, and, like, okay, so if you want to, I guess I want to talk a little bit more about like the two, not, not the two forms of hope. That's a stupid way of saying it, but like the two different uh, concept or two different uh, concepts of hope, I guess. Let's put it that way yeah. okay. just so we can move on. But hope as in like, okay, so Christ, we're going to, we're, we're going to be with him in heaven one day. There's yeah. hope in that that message is true. There's hope that right. we will one day enjoy the beatific vision with him. Right. Well, there's also this hope that Christ will take us, and give us grace and form us into the people that we need to be. Mm, yeah. Right. So like while we're on earth, this hope is not, it's not solely like, uh, okay, well, when everything's said and done, I'll go to heaven. So that's my hope, right? Yeah. Well, that is our hope ultimately, but Christ doesn't just be like, okay guys, everybody just put up with things on earth for a little bit and then you're going to go to heaven. Right. It's like, well, no, right. Christ takes us from the moment of our baptism and pulls us along and, forms us into the people that we need to be with our cooperation of course right and then we grow closer to him and ultimately hopefully becoming saints the hopes like plays a role in our whole entire lives yeah yeah it's 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 a perfection of us that begins even here on earth yeah right like it doesn't it's not just for the next life right like and actually interestingly one of the sins against hope one of the traditional sins against hope is despair Right. So mm-hmm. when someone despairs, when someone believes that they've committed a sin that cannot be forgiven or when someone despairs and thinks that no matter how hard they try, they'll never become holy. 
this is actually a sin because yeah. it's a lack of the exercise of the theological virtue of hope by which we trust in Christ's promise to us that he will actually fulfill his promises. That's interesting that because will, you, I, I once asked a priest, uh, you know, what, what is the sin against the Holy Spirit that Scripture says that is only one not forgiven? And his response oh, yeah. was interesting. He said, um, the sin that is you know not forgiven in the Scriptures, at least tells us, is that um, that of not accepting God's mercy. So it's not like God condemning you. It's like your will gets locked onto um, disparity and guilt, and you pro- you deprive yourself of the goodness of God on your own account. Yeah, that's really that's a really good point. That's yeah. very interesting. Yeah, um, and I th- yeah, and I think uh, somebody that comes to mind when I think of the theological virtue of hope is Saint Therese of Lisieux. Mm-hmm. Um, she, you know, she's this, you know, Carmelite nun who lived in the, you know, late 1800s. And now she's a doctor of the church, even though she died when she was just 24 years old, mm. uh, after suffering from tuberculosis for, for almost a year and a half. And she, first of all, had just this incredible confidence in God. Like she believed with every ounce of her being that any desire that God placed within her for holiness and for sanctity, he only would have placed in her if he planned on fulfilling it, bringing Mm -hmm. it to fruition, which he absolutely did. So she, she was not afraid to ask him for anything. She was not afraid of placing all of her trust, placing her entire life into God's hands. And what she did, this is another, I think, aspect of the virtue of hope is that she lived her life and she thought everything about her was completely oriented towards heaven. Mm-hmm. Like she lived just with an eternal perspective at all times. Yeah. And even in the last you know, year and a half of her life, as she went through terrible suffering, um, her, you know, I was really sh- shocked by this because her, her sisters, her religious sisters would come up to her and ask her like St. Therese, like sister Therese, you're suffering so much. Are you like, do you want God to come and take you? Do you want to go to heaven? Yeah. Do you wish you would die? And she says, no, I just want what God wills. Mm, if God right. wills that I stay on this world and suffer like this for another 80 years, wow. let it be done. Let yeah. it be done to me according to his word. Yeah. But if he wills that I go to heaven, then obviously I'd love that too. But she, so that's, I think that's yeah. just a really fascinating example and, and, uh, of the virtue hope, of hope being played out. Hope enables, like one of the things hope does as, as um, illustrated by St. Teresa of Literature, I mean, one of her big mottos is uh, do small things with great love. Isn't that right? Yeah, uh, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, so and, but like so, hope enables us to dare to reach God, like it, it to to really embrace the the Christian life, you know, in a certain way. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And see, the, something that keeps coming up, and then when Joe was talking about Saint Therese, I really uh, I thought of it again. But like how hope plays into suffering. Yeah, because like, suffering such a uh, it's like a universal thing to the human person, right? Everybody has yeah. some type of suffering, some worse than others, uh, but. I guess the Christian approaches suffering in a little different way and, and, and partly because of the, of the theological virtue of hope because like Christ takes that suffering and he doesn't always get rid of it. Right. Like right. he doesn't always say, okay, you don't want to have to suffer. You have to, or you don't, you don't want to have to suffer. So I'm just going to take it from you. He never does that or he, mm. he does do that, but not always. Right. And that's right. very painful too. Cause it's always like, especially with the person you love is like, okay, why not take their suffering away? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why, why let that suffering continue? Yeah. And I, I don't want to speak for Christ because I'm only a man, but <laughs> if I may, I think that this hope is a reason why he allows this type of suffering is because 
Hmm. Like it makes us into the person that we can be. Like it brings us closer to Christ because that's exactly what Christ did when he was on earth. Yeah. And that, it's like that constant notion that like, okay, I'm hoping that I can become like Christ. Right. Yeah. And that's how he does it. A lot of the ways is pulls you down to the level that he was at while you're on earth. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it demands from us the ex. Yeah. Like you said, it demands from us the exercise of this virtue of hope. Right. Right. Like through this suffering, we can only really get through it if we are able to hope in God's promises. So, yeah, yeah. that's that's good stuff, man. That's real good stuff. Yeah. Let's go ahead and move on to uh, to charity. Charity. Yeah. Uh, and for those of you playing along at home with us, charity is another way of saying love. So if you were sitting yeah. in your chair thinking, what in the world is charity? Because I, I did that for the longest time. <laughs> it's it's yeah. love. It's just it's comes, another way of saying love. It's from the Latin word caritas, yeah. right? Which, is, yeah. uh, which means love. So the same, yeah. yeah, charity, love, they mean the same thing. And it's not to be right. confused with like institutional charities. Like that's not the... Like that's like the not the only form of charity, um, right? So. Right. Well, why don't why don't you read the definition so it makes it more clear, Max? Cool. All right. So, definition of charity is um, the theological virtue by which we love God above all things for His own sake and our neighbor as ourselves for the love of God. That's simple enough, right? Y'all got it. Charity done. That's oh, easy. Enough. That's just yeah. It's <laughs> it's not hard at all. No. Okay. So th- something cool about charity. <clears throat> So, charity is the only theological virtue that persists um, once in heaven. So, faith ceases because we've now seen what we had not seen before. And then hope is now attained because what we had hoped for is now attained. Right. Right. So, charity remains. So, charity Charity remains. remains. And and in a certain way, it's it's what holds the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit together, right? This triune relationship. It's it's the life of God, right? So the theological virtue of charity is our ability to love God for His own sake and to love neighbors in the same way. Um, and that yeah. that is that is. And I want to go back to our initial points. These virtues are infused by God. Oftentimes we think that we can love, you know, the poor and the suffering um, by you know building some kind of program or some kind of uh, you know, formal, you know, if we hand out flyers, if we had cool flyers, if we had cool websites and everything. Um, me as a graphic designer, you know, with a graphic designer background, kind of think like that. Like if we just institutionalize this and this, we can live out charity. But no, charity has to be infused by God, right? Um, Mother Teresa lived out this virtue beautifully in her life, right? She was once yeah. asked, how is she carrying so many, you know, hundreds of, uh, of grown men from the streets, and this is a tiny woman, you know. How is she carrying these men from the streets? And they, uh, uh, a sister asked her one time, and she said, well, I'll spend my time in adoration. She's like, do you think I just wake up in the morning and I'm just motivated to go pick up, you know, these people that are, you know, bloody and sweaty, and I'm, I'm sure that, you know, their hygiene is the best. But she finds her strength in Christ, right? Christ helps her live out his life um, in the world yeah. and in herself, so... Yeah, that's a good point. Amen. Now, I'm thinking of something here to build off of that, and it could go really bad, but <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and talk about it. Um, but like this charity, right? We talk about it, and it's on, almost in a way, right? Because in our, in our like modern society, people try to keep this charity absence of God. Yep. And what's interesting about that is that we talked about in the beginning of the episode that it's a theological virtue, so it's coming from God to bring us back to him. We can't we can't we can't obtain it without God, right? Mm-hmm. 
So that's a really interesting thing to think about because when you try to have charity without God, you'll be lost. And it's also contrary to how we're kind of built, right? Because we come into this world in a fallen way through original sin. Yeah. Yeah. So we constantly want to turn in on ourselves, the definition of sin, right? To be turned in on oneself. Yeah. Augustine. Yeah. We, we, I think we've talked about that before mm-hmm. in previous episodes. And to also love our neighbor as ourselves, well, when you're turning on yourself, that's impossible. So yeah. I'm not really sure why I started talking about this, but it's like this charity, it's another, it, it, it's another way of like God coming to get us and we can only do it through him. Yeah. Kind of circle back to where no, we're no, talking Absolutely. I think that's you. So like charity... Building off what both of you guys just said, charity is really, it's, it is the center of the Christian life. Like we've talked about these three theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity being the center of the Christian life, but yeah. even charity is the greatest and the highest of all of these virtues, right? Like God mm-hmm. is charity. He is love, God, he does. right? And so what Max and Sam have just kind of said is that, right? Like, okay, so like the two greatest commandments, when Jesus, asks, Jesus is asked what the two greatest commandments are, he says, love the Lord your God with your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole strength, right? Like all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself, right? Man, you can hear these bells probably going off behind us now because uh, yeah, we'll let them, let the bells ring. We're at this retreat center. And uh, so, yeah, but anyway, back to what Christ said, right? Like these two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Here's the thing. That is impossible on your own human strength, right? Right? Like you cannot like, so all of these virtues, right? All of these virtues are different expressions of this charity that God infuses within our souls. They're kind of like, it's like the divine light coming into a diamond and being refracted in all these different directions. But charity is at the center and we cannot, we cannot practice this charity. We cannot love God and we cannot love our neighbors as we're supposed to unless his charity lives within us. Right. Right. Like Mother Teresa, there's no way that she could have done any of the things that she did unless it was literally God living within her and loving others through her. Right. And so we always have to be grounded in God if we're going to attain to our happiness, if we're going to be able to exercise these theological virtues. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so one of the things that comes to mind now after, after all of that is, and I hope you guys are maybe, if you have anything more to say about charity, feel free. But I think it's it's important that we move on and say, okay, yes, these theological virtues are something that we can't obtain by our own doing. But that doesn't yeah. mean that God doesn't doesn't offer ways to grow in these these virtues mm, right yes, so like yes. what what are the things we can do to grow in and in, invert in, in these virtues and interestingly well can i just say something first saint thomas aquinas interestingly he asks the question you know after every christian gets baptized right after we get baptized why doesn't god just like allow our lives to end right why doesn't he just immediately take us up into heaven because once you if theoretically if you were baptized and then you died the next second you'd go to heaven yeah, like for sure. Like that's almost the surest way to go to heaven is yeah. to be baptized, have your sins completely cleansed and to be a saint. But St. Thomas answers this question by saying the only reason that God really allows us to live another day after we've already been baptized is to grow in these theological virtues of faith, hope and love. Mm-hmm. Like that's really the reason for our whole existence is to grow in these virtues so that when we eventually do go to heaven, we even experience a higher degree of glory than we would have had we died right after we were baptized. So So, back to Sam's question, how do we grow in these virtues? Well, so you were, you were talking about earlier, Joey, that, you know, these are lived within and we've all said that charity has to be grounded in God, right? And him, with him and through him. Okay. The best way to live in, in Christ is through the sacraments, right? Amen. 
So we talked about in our in one of our previous episodes about the sacraments, but this gives us a share in God's very life, right? The graces yes. that are bestowed on us give us certain abilities and, and an identity of who we are and what we can do in both our mind and our abilities to do it. So our will and our intellect, right? It perfects yeah. these, you know? So the, how do we grow in these virtues? Well, God gives us the means by which to receive grace, namely the sacraments. So we participate in confession. We participate in the Eucharist, you know, in baptism, right? Which is where these, these three gifts are initially infused in us, right? Yes, um, yes, yes. So, yeah, so, so the sacraments are, are the place in which these, these um, three virtues are, are, are given, right? And then through our continual life in God, in, in this grace, in this life, the Christian life, we develop them. Yeah, that's that's really it. I mean, it's the sacraments is huge. Prayer is huge, right? Prayer is another kind of arena where God chooses to infuse grace within to our souls when we kind of commune with him in prayer and, yeah. and, and ask him for it. But then also interestingly, okay, so this is this is I think beautiful because this is really an extreme expression of the divine wisdom. So we said that like with the other human virtues, the cardinal virtues, we do develop them, we acquire them through repeated action right yep. but with these theological virtues that's that's not how we can acquire them that's that's actually they're they're complete they completely supersede our ability to acquire them so god has to give them to us mm-hmm. as a gift but because god wants us to exercise our faith our life our life with him kind of in accordance with our human nature he does allow us to grow in these virtues once we've already received sanctifying grace into our souls and have them and have them habitually. Mm. Once we've received grace into our souls, then we actually do grow in them through re- making repeated acts of faith, right? Making right. repeated acts of love, making repeated acts of hope because he wants us because because he's a genius, God is. He's very, he's very wise. <laughs> very well put. And he uh, and he wants us to kind of grow in these virtues in a similar way that we grow in the other ones, namely by repeated action. So, yeah. Saint Therese, to go back to Saint Therese, actually for the last you know two years of her life, she actually experienced this incredible trial, not only physically but also spiritually, where she was tempted mm. to doubt her faith, right? There was, I mean, this was, this was the rise of atheism in society right. for the first time in a really systematic way. And she was really, she faced a lot of temptations from the evil one to like fall into atheism. And ha- the way that she would respond to those temptations is to just make acts of faith, just acts. She says she's made so many ac- more acts of faith in the last year of her life than she did in the first like 23 years combined. Wow. Yeah. And that's how she, that's how she fortified herself. And that's how she grew in this virtue of faith that ultimately allowed her to face death wow. with joy and in ecstasy. Yeah, dude, um, that's, a, that's a good point. Well, and here's me, right? I'm thinking, okay, so if, if, if we actually can kind of like by repeatedly doing acts of faith, we can grow in this theological virtue because yeah. God will give him, give more out to us. Right. Yeah. But I'm thinking, okay, well that means that if I give in to like temptations to not make acts of faith, then I will also diminish my theological. Cause you see, basically what I'm trying to say is that you can, you can also do something to inhibit yourself from receiving this theological virtues as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So mortal sin when unfortunately when the Christian is, um, unfortunate enough to commit, yeah, commit mortal sin, then they lose sanctifying grace and we lose the divine life that has been given to us. And therefore we lose the ability to practice these theological virtues. Mm -hmm. Luckily, however, God in his infinite mercy has given us the sacrament of reconciliation to, 
to come back to him and to be restored to our right relationship with him and his church mm-hmm. um, and to receive grace once again um, and perhaps even more than we had before we sinned, uh, which is which is a marvelous thing. So, But yeah, that's a really good point. Just as we can grow in these, we can also lose them, which is why we need to be vigilant and earnest about um, yeah. staying in a state of grace. And you know? hey, there's two common er- errors that I want to talk about that we need to try to avoid when thinking about the theological virtues. One Please of them, talk about them. One of them is thinking that we're capable of achieving them on our own merit, which we've already qualified at the very right. beginning. And then the second one, in, in conjunction, um, is thinking that you that your actions have no consequences, right? Thinking yeah. that the love yeah. that 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 um, you don't have to do anything to attain those three virtues. Right. Um, so lest we give that impression, that's not the case. But what we're saying is that God has to act upon you, right? Um, yes. And so God is, if you want to be um, Thomistic with an Aristotelian, God is the first mover in the action, right? He moves. He first moves towards you. Right. Yeah. And we just respond. Right. We and we we'll respond. respond to and, it, right? and the well, the, and we also have to be disposed to that, right? And how are we disposed to that? Well, we live in a state of grace. We live in the sacramental life. We live in the Christian life. Does that make sense? So, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Right. We can't just sit around and do nothing and say, yeah. "Oh, God's gonna, God's gonna, and you know, I, do what He does." I can't emphasize this enough. We we briefly talked about it already, but guys, heaven in a certain way begins here and now. Yeah, you know, yeah. we and, should not grow tired of remembering that. And and like it's it's a beautiful thing to think about. And how do you foster that life in yourself and others as charity tells us to do? We do that um, by living in the sacramental life. I can't emphasize that enough, right? Living yeah. living in the state of grace is important because then we're able to truly love, truly have faith, and truly hope that um, we will reach the beatific vision one day and rejoice with God, the saints, and all of our loved ones. Does that make sense? So, yeah, yeah, absolutely, dude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so. Well... I think that was a really awesome discussion about the theological virtues. I thought that maybe we could close uh, with the word of God. uh, Well, what about, why not with Sam's? Joey's out, Joey honestly (laughs) is out here with these like epic ideas, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just read the word of God. That's a great idea. Um, No, I just want to read from uh, St. Paul because these theological virtues, the way that the tradition of the church has kind of identified them has, is drawing them out of Scripture. They're everywhere throughout Scripture, and especially in the writings of St. Paul. And uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, St. Paul says this. He says, If I speak in human and angelic tongues but do not have love, I am a resounding gong or a clashing cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and comprehend all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faith so as to move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away everything I own, and if I hand my body over so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Mm. It is not jealous. Love is not pompous. It is not inflated. It is not rude. It does not seek its own interests. It is not quick-tempered. It does not brood over injury. It does not rejoice over wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And St. Paul goes on to say, So faith, hope, 
and love remain, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Somebody give me rap oh, war. Well, basi- well, basically, <laughs> I, here's what I'm thinking. We spent like 40 minutes talking about this, and we could have just read that. <laughs> we could have. Should have led with that one. Should have led yeah, with the word like, of God. I mean, let this be a lesson to everybody, everybody listening. The word of God knows better than we do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you have to choose between reading scripture and listening to us, read scripture. Yeah. But then listen to us and subscribe to us as well. <laughs> Smash Please. it. Smash the subscribe Please, button. Guys. Look, guys, we're still trying to raise uh, some help for Joey so he can stop his shadow boxing. <laughs> so please do um, oh my gosh great episode though great episode alright guys so for all those who tuned in and for all those who haven't please do recommend it to them um, thank you for listening to this